Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 21. If you'd join me there tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 21. I want to go to uh, a bit of an obscure story this evening. Uh and yet one that is able to teach us some valuable things tonight. I want to talk about the church. Uh, you are here on a Sunday night uh, that tells me that you care about the church. It tells me that uh, you think the church is something uh, that is not to be ignored, not to be minimized in your life. And so I want to uh, take the opportunity this evening to once again uh, talk about from the Word of God, why the church is such an important place. Many of you may know the name of Charles Spurgeon, who was a famous preacher in the 19th century in England. Uh, perhaps the very first record of a megachurch, thousands and thousands of people in London saved under his ministry, a fantastic preacher, and his sermons live on to this day. But one man came to Pastor Spurgeon and told him, that he was looking for the perfect church. Spurgeon told him that he has many good people in his church, but it was certainly possible that there was a Judas among them. If Jesus, even Jesus, had a Judas among his disciples, then it's not hard for us to imagine a Judas existing among us. Can you say amen? But this is what Spurgeon said about that. He says, my church is not the one you're looking for. But if you should ever find a perfect church, I beg you, don't join it. Because you would ruin it. And that is very, very true tonight. There is no such thing as a perfect church. It's certainly not the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. And the reason for that is because the church is made of imperfect people. While we cannot be perfect, God has called us to do a few things very well. And I want to preach about those things tonight from 1 Samuel chapter 21. Let's start there in verse 1. Story of David as he comes to Ahimelech the priest. Now David came to Nob to Ahimelech the priest... And Ahimelech was afraid when he met David and said to him, why are you alone? No one is with you. So David said to Ahimelech, the priest, the king has ordered me on some business and said to me, do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you or what I have commanded you. And I have directed my young men to such and such a place. Now, therefore, what have you on hand? David's interested. What do you got here? He says, give me five loaves of bread in my hand or whatever can be found. The priest answered David and said, there is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread 
If the young men have at least kept themselves from women, then David answered the priest and said to him, Truly women have been kept from us about three days since I came, and the vessels of the young men are holy. The bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated. So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread, which had been taken from before the Lord in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken. Now skip to verse 8. David said to Ahimelech, Is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. So the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed, in the valley of Elah, there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, for there is no other except that one here. And David said, oh, yes, there is none like it. Give it to me. An amazing, an amazing story here. Let's pray over this service. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. We're asking you once again to help us tonight. Speak to your people, God. And break through, God, the the hardness of our hearts. I'm praying, God, that you would remind us what it is that we are supposed to be seeking here in your house. I'm praying, God, that we would be the people able to provide these things for those who visit and those who join this church. We ask you, God, that you would break through tonight. We give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, Amen. This is a message I've titled, "The The House of Refuge. And I first want to just remind you about difficulty, a life that presents us with some difficulty. And, uh, you know, even on the way to church tonight, I asked a young man, I'm giving him a ride to church, I said, so how's things going? He says, well, trials and tribulations, right? Trials and tribulations, you're not the only one, brother. We all go through the ups and the downs of life. We all go through difficulties. Just because we go to church doesn't mean we don't have problems. Somebody said amen. In fact, the reason I go to church is because I have some problems. And problems and difficulty, trials and tribulations is not the reason to be separated from the house of refuge. In fact, it is the reason that we must go to church. Because it is in the it is in the fellowship of believers. It is in the presence of God that we are able to gain strength. And that is exactly what this story is about. If you look at the context, if you look at the surrounding chapters of this story, you will find that David is going through a very rough period. In fact, David is somebody in the Bible who knows what it is to have some difficulty. And this is one of the things that I love about the Bible. The Bible does not candy coat the lives of its heroes. David, the the great king of Israel, who is celebrated as a hero and an ancestor of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? He came from the house of David, certainly a hero, a man after God's own heart. And yet, when you read his life carefully, you will find he had a lot of problems. He had a lot of problems that were caused by other people attacking him. He even had a lot of problems that he caused himself. 
with some stupid decisions. I know nobody in here makes stupid decisions, but David certainly had some problems that caused him to be to have some times of difficulty. David, as we read this story, he is running from the previous king of Israel named King Saul. And if you know the story, David has been going back and forth and fighting for his life, fighting to survive. There is nobody more loyal to Saul than David was. David only wanted to be a blessing to King Saul, but King Saul was jealous of David. King Saul was out of his mind, and he wanted to kill his most loyal follower. So David is having to run from place to place. He's having to keep his head on a swivel, so to speak, to make sure that Saul and all of his men uh, would not find him. He's trying to survive. Saul is making David's life very bad. In fact, every time Saul sees David, he's throwing spears at him. Did you ever read about that? Like, that's not a good family relationship. You know what I'm saying? That's father-in-law throwing spears at you. And so, uh, can you imagine the stress of that? It's not just a king and a servant situation. David is married to his daughter. So that's his father-in-law. We, you know, you think you've got some family problems. At least they're not throwing spears at you, right? He's stressed out. He's running for his life. He's filled with fear. He doesn't have peace. He doesn't even have a place to sleep at night. And he's defeated. And it's at this moment that we pick up the story. David, in verse 1, comes to this city called Nob. And in that city, there is a synagogue, and in that synagogue, there is a priest named Ahimelech. The city of Nob is well known in the history of Israel because it is called the city of priests. It is a city of ministry. We can use this tonight as an allegory, a metaphor. We can use it as a picture. When David was in trouble, where did he go? He went to church. That's good policy. That's a good way of life. When he was in trouble, he went, and we know that this is not the only time. See, there are some people out there that the only time they go to Nob, the city of priests, is when they're in trouble. That's not David. We know that David also went to church when he was happy, when he, his life was fulfilled, when he won the battles and the victories. Uh, so it's not the only time. But this shows us something that is very important for us. When life is dealing blows, when trouble finds you, it is not wise to run from the house of God. It is important, even more important at that moment, to run to the city of Nob, the city of priests, to the place where God can refill you, refuel you, recharge you and hopefully give you some wisdom for the next day can you say amen i can't tell you how many times that i didn't feel like going to church but then after church was over i said man i'm so glad i'm so glad i went to church i'm so glad that you know even though i wasn't feeling it even though i thought it was going to be horrible even though i didn't want to see all those people but then when i was there i was happy to see all those people and I was blessed. And I walked out with victory. He went to church. What I find interesting about this scripture is that this synagogue, 
this priest. He went to this place to find rest and shelter during his time of difficulty. He went to find a place of refuge. Everybody say the word refuge. I did not say refuse. Some people go to church and find a house of refuse, a house full of trash, a house full of problems and bickering and politics. If David would have gone to the house of Ahimelech and found refuse, that would not have helped him. What David found when he went to the city of Nob was he found a house of refuge. What does that mean? A place of safety, a place of comfort, a place where he was able to be blessed. You know, the church is not a place like a museum. It shouldn't be. Some churches are like museums. You walk in and you see a lot of pretty things, but don't touch. Don't speak. Be quiet. Keep your hands off. The church shouldn't be like that. You know what the church should be more like? A hospital. An ER. A place where people are coming in with everything hanging out. I've been to the uh, emergency room a few times. You know, thank, thank God my 96-year-old grandmother goes to the hospital and she comes out all these times. It's amazing. But, uh, you know, I went the last time she was there in the hospital. I'm going into the emergency room and, man, I'm seeing all, it's, it's packed. If you've been to an emergency room, you know, there's people with all kinds of problems in there. You know, I'm walking through there like, I don't want to get nothing what they got. There's a guy over there who just burned his hand. You know, there's a person over there. Their kid is sick and, you know, there's a whole lot of problems in there. But you know what? Hopefully, if it's a good emergency room, they walk out better than they came in. That's what it's for. That's why we have hospitals and emergency rooms and doctors and nurses and medical equipment. Can I tell you tonight? That's what the church needs to be. Every church service ought to be an opportunity for somebody who's sick to get better. We do not close the doors to the broken or the hurting. In fact, that's why we exist. Psalm 9.9 says, The Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And this is where it's interesting to discover in our story what it was that David discovered in the house of Nob, in the city of Nob, the house of Ahimelech. It says in verse 6 that the priest gave him holy bread. So it seems that when David comes in to this scene, not only is he running from trouble, but apparently he hasn't eaten for a while. He is physically starving. He is, uh, he is needing some nourishment. He needs to regain his strength. If you think you're so tough, I want to see you fast for 24 hours. We'll figure out how tough you are. Because when you are lacking in physical sustenance and nourishment, what happens is your body begins to, uh, to retool. Even the very molecules begin to change. It's a very interesting thing. But David comes into this situation and he is physically hungry. He needs nourishment. So it's very important 
that when he comes into the house, that there would be something that he can eat. David found an answer for his hunger when he goes to the house of God. Can I tell you something tonight? Living this life, and especially believers, Christians, people of God, living this life, it's going to require that you need spiritual nourishment. Hello, somebody? Y'all still with me tonight? We're going to need to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Living this life, you know, it requires a lot of energy. David's been on the run, man. He has been running from place to place, running from this difficult situation. And what he needs is, yes, he needs uh, nourishment, but he needs some he needs some bread, man. We need a recharge. We call our Wednesday night recharge service, right? Now, listen, when we come to church, I have I, I've lost all the expectations that you're going to remember every single one of my sermons. Even I don't remember my sermons. Okay, uh, don't worry about that. But hopefully, when you come and hear a message from the Word of God, hopefully, just like a good home-cooked meal, you may not remember what you had for lunch yesterday, but what you can remember is that it sustained you. You're still around. You haven't starved to death yet, right? And you may not remember one sermon that I preached two months ago, but hopefully... Every time you come to the house of God, you get a little piece of nourishment that's going to strengthen you and recharge you and get you through the next day. David, this is what he finds there in the city of Nob. Can I tell you tonight that we have the bread of life? The bread of life. Jesus said, John 6, 35, I am the bread of life He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. There's two things that we find in that scripture. If we come to Jesus, we'll never hunger, and if we believe in him, we will never thirst. Where do those things happen? Primarily, at church. We are able to commune together with God's people, with the word of God, and with Jesus himself through his spirit, right? We come to God and there we find nourishment and strength. It said, he who believes in me shall never thirst. Well, let me ask you, where do you find faith? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the word of God. Where do you hear the word of God? In church. It's amazing. It's like Somebody came up with this great idea to give you spiritual nourishment on a weekly basis. Oh, they did. It was Jesus' idea. He's the one who established the church. This was not the idea of some person or some group of people or Pastor Mitchell. No, this was Jesus' idea that we should have a local body of believers that we can come in and we can take a bite. Walk out with some spiritual nourishment. David found the bread. And if you notice that there's a little back and forth between him and Ahimelech as they're discussing this bread, because this wasn't just any bread. This isn't just the bread that they got 
you know, from the local store. The Bible says very specifically that this was the showbread. And for anyone who's familiar with the, the Jewish practices and customs of the house of God, this was bread that was not meant to be eaten. They would make the bread, they would prepare it, they would wrap it up and make it warm, and they would present the bread to the Lord as an offering. It was a showbread. It was not meant to be eaten. And so David's worried about this. He's saying, well, I don't know if I can take that. Ahimelech is like, well, I don't know. This is not against, this is against protocol. This isn't exactly how it's supposed to be done. But what's interesting about this is that later, late, hundreds of years later, when Jesus is on the scene, he uses this story uh, as an example. He says, don't you remember when David was hungry, he went to Ahimelech and Ahimelech gave him the showbread. He, he uses this as an example to teach the Pharisees about why you know, all of the protocols and the rules and the, the made-up uh, ways of man are not always the best. And it's amazing to me that Jesus uses this story in his ministry. He's saying that it's more important to care for the souls of people than it is to be worried about the laws of men. See, when we come into the house of God, sometimes we get wrapped up in all of our protocols. We get wrapped up in how you're supposed to dress or look or talk or act. I tell you, the most important thing is not all of our protocols and what's normal. The most important thing is that people are getting sustained and nourished and helped. Let me ask, if somebody came into this church and sat next to you and they looked at your life and they looked at the way that you were living, would they be nourished by that? Would they be helped? They should be. Ahimelech had something to give to David. Let me share this bread with you. Now, yes, the bread is a symbolic of the Word of God, symbolic of Christ, of course. And when people, when we hear the preaching, that's the Word being preached. But listen, I'm not the only source of bread in this church. My prayer is that every person here would have something to share with someone else. Something to share. The Word of God is alive. And when we ingest it, when we digest it, when we take it in, it will change your life. That's why, once again, we are starting a yearly Bible plan in the YouVersion Bible app. If you don't have it, you should get it. Uh, if you are not online, we're going to be printing up some paper versions of that. But what I want to say tonight is that we as a church are, again, going to go through the entire Bible in a year. You think that's a lot. You know, it's, that's like what I was preaching this morning. It seems like a lot to go through, Pastor. Well, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And when you break it down into 365 pieces, do you want to know? It's really not so bad. It's about four chapters a day. But let me tell you, it's the word of life. It is the word of life. It is the bread that keeps our souls nourished. 
David went to the house of God and he found bread. What about you? I know people who are spiritually starving. They're believers. They're on their way to heaven, but they're spiritually starving to death because they don't read the Bible. And they don't come to church. Or they come to church and they don't pay attention. Uh, Nobody in here, of course. What's the second thing David found? He found a bread, but then he begins asking a very important question. David, we know, was a poet and a musician. He was an amazing uh, worshiper of God. But the skills that David possessed were far more than musical. He was a warrior. He was a battle-hardened soldier of the Lord. Listen to what he asks in verse 8. David said to Ahimelech, Is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? For I have, not, I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. David is in need of a weapon. See, David, when he leaves this place, he knows that he's probably going to encounter some battles. Right? He's thinking ahead a little bit. He's thinking to himself, well, you know, there's probably going to be this person or that situation, and I'd rather be prepared than not. Do you have any weapons that I can take with me? So that when I face a battle, I'll be ready to face it. Well, can I just remind you tonight, when you leave from this place, you're probably going to find a battle. Can we be real? There's going to be a battle. I know tonight we're in church, everything's cool, we've got, our, we've got our church clothes on and our church faces on and we put on our church vocabulary, praise the Lord, brother. But, you know, Monday's coming. Back to the battle. Tuesday's coming, yeah, we're going to have a, a fun party, but listen, there's going to be battles waiting for you. There's going to be some spiritual battles waiting for you. There's going to be some financial battles waiting for you. And listen, when we go out from this place, if we're going to be prepared to do some battle, you better have a weapon on your, on your, on your hand. Yeah, I mentioned it during the prayer meeting that, you know, this guy who came into a church packing a shotgun, he got one blast off. Thank God it happened in Texas. Because in Texas, they have armed security guards in this church. And this armed security guard was able to take that psycho down in, in less than 15 seconds. You know why? Because he had a weapon. He was prepared for battle, saved how many lives? Who knows? There's a church full of hundreds of people. Because he was prepared. And listen, the problem with many of God's people is we go back into the world, we go back to our lives, we go back to our families and and the places that we go, and we're unprepared for battle. We go back without a weapon. We go back without a word from the Lord. We go back without a promise. See, there is danger this evening in facing a battle without a weapon. How would you do if we dropped you on some battlefield where bullets are flying and bombs are exploding and you didn't have a weapon? How would you do? How long would you last? 
Listen, God's people need to be equipped, need to be prepared, need to be armed for battle. David said to Ahimelech, Is there not on hand a spear or a sword? The priest said to him, The sword of Goliath. Woo, dog! The sword of Goliath? This was David's coming out party. You remember the story in 1 Samuel chapter 15, the same one that you learned back when you were a kid in children's church, David and Goliath. And the Bible says that uh, the whole army of Saul is there shaking in their armor, lined up against the giant Goliath. And there he is taunting the people of God and cursing the name of God. For 40 days and 40 nights. They are at a standstill. He says, bring me a man to come and do battle with me. And David, he's just there to make a, make a food delivery. He's door dashing, you know. And he's dropping off some cheese sandwiches to his older brothers. And he sees what's happening that day. That Goliath is there taunting the people and cursing God. He's like, how come nobody's doing anything? And David, as a young boy, full of faith, lacking fear of anything except God, and he says, I'll fight him. You'll fight him? David said, sure, why not? Yeah, one time I was guarding the sheep, and a lion jumped out. Guess what? God gave me the strength to kill the lion. Another time I was guarding the sheep, taking care of them, and a bear jumped out of the forest. Guess what? God gave me the strength, and I killed that bear. Well, this stupid Goliath, he, he, he's no better than a lion or a bear i'll take him down and you know the story the bible says that david ran down into the valley with nothing but a sling and a stone he was well equipped and well prepared and with one shot bam took down goliath right between the eyes and the bible says that day he took the sword of goliath he disarmed him And with that sword, they don't tell you this part in Sunday school, with that sword, he chopped off the head of Goliath. Check that out. Look what God has done. So remember, this sword has some history to it, doesn't it? And David's asking, do you have any weapons here? And Ahimelech says, oh yeah, we got a weapon here. You remember that day? Oh, I remember that day. You took that sword? Yeah, I remember that sword. And you chopped off the head of God? I remember that well. He says, we have that sword. It's just in the back. And listen what David says when he hears about it. He says, David says, there is none like it. Give it to me. You read a little bit between the lines there. You can tell David is like, oh man, that is the sword. That is exactly what I need. When David puts this sword in his hand, can you imagine how it makes him feel? It gives him strength. It gives him confidence. It is empowering him to go. And when he faces that next battle, whatever it is, he says, man, this is a reminder of previous victories. And he's got this thing in his hand now. This sword of Goliath. Man, if God can help me defeat that stupid Goliath. There is no battle. There is no battle that God would let me lose. 
He has power. He has confidence. He has he has uh, uh, he is in, nourished. He is well equipped for the battle. Any battle he's about to face. This is more than just a tool in his hand. This is spiritual encouragement. Listen, my prayer is that every single one of you would have the sword of Goliath walking out of this place with a chest out, feeling confident that you can face Goliath or worse. Not walking out of here full of fear, full of shame and guilt, but you know that there is a word from God that He is going to empower you with. Have you got your sword tonight? You need one. Ephesians 6, Paul encourages us. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Listen, God don't need weaklings. God doesn't need sissies. God doesn't need girly men. God needs strength. People who have been empowered in His might. How do we get empowered? We need to be equipped. You know, uh, it's very easy to give a soldier courage in a battle. You know how you do that? I was talking to Dave the other night. when They had their Christmas party, and he was telling me a little bit about his time in the Navy. And, uh, and I'm just thinking about, man, th- these aircraft carriers that our, our sailors have and our seamen... Man, they are incredible. There's a whole new class of aircraft carrier that they've just released. And listen, nobody else in the world has the kind of technology that our Navy does. Nobody else. And so when they sail off into the sunset, riding on one of those aircraft carriers, you know how they feel? <laughs> Feels pretty good, man. We got, we got some stuff on this thing. Classified. Nobody has what we have. The Chinese don't have it. The Russians don't have it. We have some stuff here that this is why our military is still stronger than every other military. It's because they're well equipped. Why is it that our Navy SEALs are the best fighting force, the best uh, uh, special ops force in the world? Why is that? Because they're better prepared, they're better trained, and they're better equipped. There's a place just down here in Chesapeake that I've done some work at. There's, uh, oh man, I forget the name of it, but it's a Navy base. And it's uh, closer to the North Carolina border. And I'm driving out there, man. It's like a 45-minute drive to get to that little teeny tiny base out there. And I'm thinking, what Navy base is way out there? And comes to find out, this is a special ops base. This is where one of the SEAL teams prepared to go attack the uh, Osama bin Laden compound. And somebody was telling me a story that they prepared for nine months ahead of time. They had this uh, uh, surveillance camera video. They had this this, uh, um, satellite imagery that they had taken of the compound. They had done x-rays on the building. And so they had this exact model that was built way down there in Chesapeake. They built it, and for nine months, can you imagine? They trained every day, this SEAL team did, about how they were going to go in and which door and which wall they were going to blow up. And It was amazing, the training and the preparation that went into that. And you know what? When they showed up there, 
in that hellhole, wherever he was, they were prepared. They weren't scared. Of course there were dangers. But you know what? They were prepared for the battle. They had the right weapons. They had the right preparation. And guess what? They had confidence going in. And it's no, uh, it's no mystery why they won very quickly. Tonight, let me tell you something. There are some battles waiting for you, beloved. If you walk into a battle, if you, if you just scooped up some guy off of Virginia Beach Boulevard and put him into that SEAL team and dropped him in at the time of the battle, how would he feel? He'd feel like many of God's people. Unprepared, unequipped. What's going on around here? I have no idea. Ducking, watching out for bullets. Right? That's why we don't take people like that. What we need, God's people, is we need to be prepared. Verse 11, Ephesians 6, 11, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. Listen, God needs you to stand. God needs you as a believer to stand for your family, for your church, for this community. For the kingdom of God, we need soldiers to stand. And if you're going to stand, you're going to need a sword. You're going to need a sword. And where could you possibly find a sword? You're here. Right here. This is where we find the equipment, the weapons that we need, the words, the promises the scriptures that help us in the time of battle. So at the end of the day, David came into that house. He was in desperate need. He was hungry. He was weary. He was battle battle sore. But when he came out, he came out a different man, didn't he? He came out with nourishment. He came out with encouragement. And he came out with some confidence. The sword of Goliath on his back. My prayer is that every time we come to church, that you would walk out feeling the same. Doesn't mean that you're not going to lose any battles. Doesn't mean that every day is going to be perfect. But we come to church with this hope that we can get stitched up, bandaged up, refed, refueled, and back to the battle with confidence. Because that's what we need. We need some believers who are going to fight for the kingdom. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a few moments as we bring this service to a close. And as God is speaking to our hearts, the reason why tonight we do not neglect the assembling of ourselves together, the reason why we do not put other priorities ahead of this the reason why my schedule is ordered around the church schedule is because i need encouragement i need to be prepared i need for somebody here to help me 
I need prayer. I need equipment. I need God's strength. That's why I come to church. And that's what we need to find here in this place. My prayer is that you would find that here tonight. Before we close this service tonight, is it the case that you're not right with God? The Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of His glory. There is no one here deserving of heaven, deserving of grace, deserving of salvation and mercy. The truth is that we are deserving of death, hell, and condemnation. That's what we deserve because of our sins. But aren't you glad tonight that we, we have a God who is gracious? He is merciful. He does not give us what we deserve. He shows us mercy. But also He shows us grace, which means that He gives us things that we do not deserve. Tonight, what is He giving you? He's giving you opportunity to be saved. An opportunity you don't deserve, that you didn't earn. If you earned it, it wouldn't be grace. What, you, what He is offering tonight is, is the opportunity to be set free from sin, to know Christ, not just as a story in a book or a leader of a religion, but to know Him as a friend and Savior and brother. And I wonder tonight if you're right with God, if you would examine your heart for a moment. I'm not asking you how many church services you've been to or how many scriptures you've read or how many times you've been to church. I'm asking you tonight, are you right with God? Have your sins been forgiven? And if not, this is your opportunity. God's grace and mercy reaches out to you called the gospel the good news of jesus christ and if you're here and you want to respond to that call you say pastor i'm here i'm not right with god but i want to be i ask you to do one simple thing you just lift up your hand quickly say yes that's me i need what you're talking about tonight i need salvation i need redemption i need healing and we thank you again for listening do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox make sure to sign up at our website vvph.org If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.